Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right. Welcome to Asking Why, episode 53. I got that right, I think. Um, if not, you know, we can edit it out. Uh, but we're glad that uh, you guys are listening with us again today. And we have today Ann Vickers, who's a good friend of mine and a craniosacral therapist, which we're going to explain what that is and what um, what that means. Um, both my kids and my wife and I have worked with Ann for a long time, and she's been a huge help to us. So thank you, Ann, for being you and doing what I think God has given you the gift to do in a way that at first I was like, I don't know about this thing. Um, but man, I've just seen the fruit of it. Jason and I were talking about this morning, you coming on and just how much help. And I was kind of going through the timeline of what brought us to you and, um, with Jude and some of his issues. And I thought it was Grady, but then she reminded me that it started with Jude and then Grady jumped in and, right. and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, welcome and, uh, share with us kind of who you are and, and what you do and what brought, brought you today. Super. Thank yeah. you for having me. Clint. Absolutely. So my name is Ann Vickers and I have licenses in speech language pathology and massage therapy. And I got to the craniosacral world through my own issues. I was 25 and had just, um, been just gotten married actually. And I'd been working at a hospital and they told me I needed to get the hepatitis shot. So I did. And also within that two week period, I had six uh, dental amalgams put in. Mm. So at the time I didn't know that that was mercury, but two weeks later, my left hand quit working. It began tingling and numb and then it just quit working and I was a lefty. And so I started having one of my students who was working under me start writing my notes and treating my patients. And then within two weeks of that, my right hand quit working. And so... I was a newlywed. My husband began to do my hair and makeup so I could get to work, so I could have the student do what I needed her to do. Mm. And within a few months, I just couldn't manage. The pain was too bad. And um, so that began my journey that I didn't know. So I went to every doctor. Nobody knew what it was. Eventually, they called it thoracic outlet syndrome, which means pinched nerves in your neck or um, shoulder area. And uh, within a year, I'd had... A surgery where they took my neck muscles out and a top rib and they told me I had an 80% chance of getting better I'd found the specialist in Denver flew out there and had the surgery and guess what it didn't work so you just skimmed <laughs> over that so they took your neck <laughs> muscles out and a top rib yes I went to the traditional PT didn't touch the anything it didn't help at all so yeah. I found the specialist and you were how old I was 25 goodness and um the the surgeon in, in Denver was the guy who wrote the book that I found in the hospital library. And uh, he said, I had a pretty good chance of getting better, but it didn't work. And then he said, sorry. So 
um, I went back to therapy and it didn't help. And finally, a few months into it, a year later, they said, well, there's this strange PT who does this thing called craniosacral therapy. It's kind of wooga wooga, but why don't you go to him? Mm -hmm. So I began to get better immediately. There was also a uh, counselor slash yoga teacher who was working there at the time. And she began to teach me stretches and, and some yoga, um, movement therapies, not just yoga, but somatics and Feldenkrais and Tai Chi things. But she was also a counselor. And so I learned that I was a type A personality and I'd always thought I was very relaxed, but I definitely was a patient advocate. And I also um, became aware of how passionate I was. And when I was passionate, I was tight and I was stressed and I would get angry at the nurses at the hospital or if a patient wasn't treated right. And so I realized that drive was partly what was part of my issue. So I had this neurological damage, but I also had this tight body and rigid mind. Mm. And she, the yoga teacher, Judy Day also used to talk to me about nutrition. Well, I had grown up with a health nut mother and I wasn't going to do that, but I finally decided I would start eating vegetables again. And we tend to do that, right? We polarize and go, yeah, we were talking about this the other day in our families and our churches and so many community things we end up running real hard away from something yes. instead of figuring out how to be authentic about what it is that we want to be. Very good. You know, very good. And I remember Judy saying things like, uh, feel the energy ball. And I'm like, you're a new age freak. There's yeah. no way I'm doing that. <laughs> and then within a few weeks I could feel the energy ball, <clears throat> but the, the craniosacral therapy began to really loosen my body up. And then I began to stretch at home because one time I said to Judy, well, it doesn't last a week till I see you again. And she said, we'll do it at home. And I thought, wow, what a crazy idea. <laughs> so that's like doing therapy in between therapy it, what, on my own. Yeah. And I wasn't waiting to get fixed. And so that began my journey of, of awareness. And, and I really watched as the Holy spirit began to change me and, and saw how it was contributing to my own issues. Mm. And so th- this is in 1995. So however many years that is 26 years, I don't know, 27 years later, um, I look back and I'm so grateful for those, those really terrible years. I bet. So anyway, about a year after I, uh, got, tr- um, significantly better, I said so for that first year before therapy. you, so you had the, you did yes. PT, you got the surgery mm-hmm. and just both hands weren't working. Mm-hmm. I literally couldn't hold a spoon or hold a um, glass. Goodness gracious. Yeah. My husband, um, I think a lot of men might have left, and he just got better. Yeah, that's amazing. That bonded us a lot. Yeah. And he he would um, learn some of the techniques, and in the middle of the night, he'd get a cup of coffee and work on me if I was really hurting. Wow. He was, he, uh, I'll never leave him. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. On Friday, it'll be 28 years of marriage. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's amazing. 28 years in this culture. It's, it's, it's great, especially through very, very hard starts. Yes. Yes. You know, most of us get married and uh, we think it's going to be easy. It's going to be rainbows and butterflies and, you know, all the sex in the world and all the relationship stuff in the world. And, (laughs) you know, and you get married and that's just life happens and, and kids get sick and injuries happen and sickness happens. And, yeah, a lot of people leave because they think, "Oh, this isn't this isn't what this is I supposed to be." I signed up for right. Yeah. This is not for better or for best. That's yeah, right. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, we forget the worst part. Yes. So we got into counseling pretty quickly um, with my yoga teacher Judy. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful. So I got trained about a year later. I took my first class and I was hooked. Mm. And 
I began to take classes uh, three to five times a year, which is quite a bit of classes a year, um, in my opinion, to, to learn that. But the um, curve was sharp because I said, I have to learn how to do this to help people. So at that time, I knew that my speech license was kind of limiting in my scope of practice. So they were opening up a massage school down the street. So I talked to them about my disabilities. They said, come on. And I got that license. And where is this at? It was at Blue Cliff, which used to be just right by Key Mexico. Oh, it's in Treeport. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's still around, I think, um, but it's out north of town. Okay. So yeah. you're doing speech therapy here. Where were you at? Um, I was at Shumpert. Okay. Awesome. And so um, I went to massage school and uh, did that for about a year. Then I dropped that license because of some issues with late payments and things yeah and I was told I could still do my uh, uh, craniosacral but about that time I started having children so I mostly you know kept it I didn't work very much mm-hmm. but I kept taking the classes and just had a small practice and um, then when they were old enough to, to when they were old enough I, I started working more you know so yeah. there's that so I, I got my massage license back and um I've always worked out of my house. Both of the houses I've lived in had a great place, had a great office. So Mm -hmm. um, I've I've kept it like that on purpose. And then I began to get trained in lymph drainage therapy and visceral manipulation. Lymph is pretty explanatory. Visceral manipulation has to do with working with the organs, so the fluid in the organs. And sometimes they get stuck in on muscles and yeah. scar tissue. So I've added that to my practice and um, I'm currently training with the ISIS microcurrent to try to um, work with people in that way too. On I, I've always loved brains. So that's why I liked working as a speech therapist with head injured people and mm-hmm. strokes um, because the brain is phenomenal, how God made the brain and how, it, and that was before we knew about neuroplasticity. So right. I just, I love the way the brain can rewire. And so in craniosacral, I watch that on the table. Yeah. So when people come with those um, very fast running nervous systems, um, one of the little techniques I work with the kids and adults was is asking them how fast their engine is running. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people drive at 120 to 200 miles an hour, and, and while they're on the table, they say they want to get down to 30 or 35. And so then they can learn through awareness, or if you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit, to realize how fast you're going and then to learn techniques to calm back down. Yeah. And so while they're on the table, they get to experience what it's like. And then I think God made the body designed to heal and we get stuck through whatever our traumas are in life and, and think stinking thinking or whatever. But when they experience it, they go, I want this again. Mm -hmm. And so if they can learn the techniques and I, and I, that's part of their homework is I give everybody homework. So don't come to me if you don't want homework. That's right. Is, is, learning to become aware and then what what is the technique that's going to work for you to help you to get to that calmless le- calm level when you're not on my table yeah that's awesome it's been wonderful no it is it's it's, it's a super helpful thing i was laughing too you know because i got on your books a couple of weeks ago again and i was talking about like dentist appointments uh craniosacral we were i was listening out the things in january of the things i want to get back on you know oh, i need to you know, schedule these things and keep them in my rhythm or whatever awesome. and then you start looking at them like chiropractic craniosacral you know jujitsu exercise eating better you know like you just 
you do a little bit of everything and you stay pretty healthy. That's and, it. and, uh, That's it. but I was just thinking about the times where I was seeing you more regularly and just missing that and, and how helpful that was for kids, for us, for JC, you know, um, so I appreciate what you do. Thank tell you. me, tell me a little bit of your faith journey. Let's take take it back. Were you raised in a Christian home? Can you give me a little bit of that sure. background? So I, I, my parents had a denomination, and um, my dad was an absolute non-believer. My mom was nominal, and they would drop us off at church and leave. So I was um, baptized as a baby and confirmed at twelve. And I mostly went to see the boys. Mm -hmm. And when I was in high school, I was dating a boy who uh, came from a Christian home. And, and so I gave my life to Christ in high school. And then college was a beautiful journey of learning the scriptures and um, witnessing to people on the weekends. And it was, it was a beautiful time for me. And I married a man who loves the Lord. And we began that faith journey together. That said, I realized when all of this went down that God was in a pretty small box and and I didn't know I didn't know that like when I was in junior high and I went to camp someone I thought God lived at church camp I didn't know he could live in my heart and then when I began to get better at the church we went to in Shreveport when we first moved here I, once I got disabled I went to this I called it the old lady bible study group and they I think the early youngest age was 70 something and most of them had, had pretty hard lives but they were women of faith and I learned that God did heal, and I learned that if God was saying it in the scripture, he could be saying it to me. Mm. I, I didn't know that I could apply that to my my life, and um, so leaps and bounds, I began to grow through the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, amazing. So it's an absolute blessing. You made me tear up. I forget who I have on my podcast, and I'm like, why do I have to have these personal people that I like so much? <laughs> Their story, like I know some of your story, but hearing all of it is just so good. So those were beautiful years yeah. with, with those women. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and I would never have had time if I'd been working. No, definitely. And, and I didn't feel the need. I didn't. I thought God was great right where He was. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And put Him in the box, and uh, and Him being comfortable, and you know, you know Him, and you understand Him, and you've got Him in a grasp. Nothing, nothing shakes that up more than some trauma and some, you know, <laughs> some hardship. But also, right, it, it brings out the beauty of who God is and how much more amazing He is than we can comprehend. And how community matters and we need these other people and having mentors who have been through hard things. And uh, one of the wonderful fun things was that when I gave, gave my life to Christ in my senior year in high school, my mom gave her life to Christ with a TV preacher who wore leather and smoked a cigar and had horse races for his commercials. So we began that journey at the same time, but separately because I went off to college. And so as I began to get the counseling after we were married and I was disabled, my mom and I just had beautiful, beautiful, intimate mm. talks. That's awesome. Was, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like Jesus to bring people closer together right. for sure. Um, okay. So tell me how, well, first, can you tell, can you give a general synopsis of what craniosacral therapy is? So, cause me, you know, I still, I've been to you a bunch and I still don't really know yeah. as well as I, I want to describe it. So, cause I want to, what I want to do is I want to talk about craniosacral therapy to people and I want, you know, y'all listening to understand what it is, but then I want to go back to, faith and being in the south and kind of that box that it's in because i think we need to paint a picture of western medicine too and and how it's paint it's kind of painted in that same box right absolutely it's like spiritual realm um that we sometimes do as christians and faith people were like well i want to understand it and it be in this little western medicine box and it, it fit the symptoms and mm -hmm. craniosacral therapy doesn't do that you know and so i want does that make sense absolutely all right good 
Okay, so craniosacral therapy is a gentle, hands-on modality that works with the membranes and the fluid in the craniosacral system, which includes the meninges or the membranes and the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And we access that because we can't touch it. We access that through the skin and the fascia and the muscles and through the um, sutures of the cranial bones. So we're not manipulating bones. We're working on soft tissue. Most of that is extremely light, like the weight of a nickel. Mm -hmm. So unlike a massage, you leave your clothes on. And unlike uh, deep tissue massage or traditional physical therapy, it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. it, it can go deep if we're working on um, chest or hips or things like that. But in general, it's very light and it's very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so we don't make the body do anything. So that's a difference in traditional PT or massage. We're not forcing the body to come unglued or make it go over here. We're working with the body. And that's the, that's the traditional allopathic medicine part of craniosacral therapy. We might say there's the woo-woo part, which is that um, the body heals itself. And so Dr. Upledger, who's the man that started craniosacral therapy, set, calls it the inner physician that the body knows what it needs to do to get better. As a Christian, I say that God created our bodies to heal, and sometimes we get stuck. And people mm -hmm. like me can come in then and offer the body something different. That's good. And so then I, I offer it through my touch something different, and then it decides what it's going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the benefits of that for like people? <clears throat> so... In the school of craniosacral therapy, the joke is it cures whatever ails you. So <laughs> yeah. we say it really helps just about everything. But if you were to look at a pamphlet, they might say it, it relaxes you and it uh, helps your posture. And with, you know, so I work with anywhere from newborns all the way to people in death and dying. So that's a lot of things it does. So with children, I can work with their tongues, with tongue ties and um, nursing issues. And um, people our age tend to come for pain, shoulder, neck pain, low back, hip issues. Mm -hmm. um, it it calms the nervous system, nervous system. So people with ADHD or people with anxiety, that's it, it helps everyone in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, they can just come for that. If they have, I work with a lot of folks who have headaches. That really helps. I work with TMJ, not as a dentist would. Yeah. I work with the soft tissue in the mouth. So, um, my, my son used to need braces and, um, he was going to see Dr. Cossie. And so I would take him there and I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get him better before he needs braces. And he said, well, let's see. And so when the time came, his mouth was better. So the teeth straightened, the jaw was, went back to where it needed to. So we laughed that, you know, I took his business you away. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so, um, so I work with a lot of children, a lot of ADHD issues and um, learning disabilities. And I work with a lot of folks who've been in car wrecks mm -hmm. and head injuries and um, depression. You know, that's, I have to, I have to say I stay within my scope because um, we have a litigious society, but these are things that people would notice that I wasn't necessarily working on them about. Yeah. So, you know, I, I stay within my scope of the massage and the speech realm. 
but there are all kind of things it does. Yeah, I think yeah. that's I think that's the hard part, right? Is as we've kind of done this integrative wellness stuff and worked in the teams, and I've come and seen you, and and you know, it, it just doesn't fit in the litigation right. realm. You know, it's like it's almost the the world has set up these. And when we mean by litigation realm, for people who are like, what are y'all talking about? It's just law, right? Getting sued, a lawsuit, staying in your scope of practice. But there's so much overlap between the mm-hmm. mind and the body and the soul. It's kind of like therapists. Like a lot of therapists never touch spirituality because it's not clear cut and there might be a lawsuit. Right. But in my opinion, whether you're a Christian or not, whatever the client is coming in with, you Absolutely. should be in touch with their spirituality. Absolutely. You know, so if they're a Buddhist, like I want to understand how Buddhism and that belief and that spiritual belief shapes your life. And I have clients right. that we talk about that stuff with. And I don't impose my Christianity on them, no. but we, we navigate together in relationship. What is the truth of life and how is that plan? How is your truth either right. proving truthful or not? And I think that impacts their gut and their body and their anxiety and their depression, because if they're walking around believing something that's not true right. about themselves or about a higher power, it's going to shape Beautiful. right their body, their anxiety, their depression. And we were talking about this with anxiety the other day. It's we live in this culture of, anxiety you know it's a 20 percent increase in college freshmen clinical anxiety you know and and i would say if you did a bible study 15 years ago with a group of women three of them might be taking meds and have anxiety and now it's 24 of the 20 you know you know and same thing with men and addiction and so but i think it's because we've continued to focus on symptoms and not getting to root causes and what it what i know cranny psychotherapy does is works on the body and the actual root stuff instead of getting caught up in the right. the extra. Well, and, you know, in craniosacral therapy, there's something called somato-emotional release. And so sometimes when I'm working on people, they begin to tear up. Mm-hmm. I, and again, in different belief systems, I've had people say that they are <clears throat> having, um, well, they might be having, uh, they might think the demons are on them mm-hmm. while, while I'm working on them. I yeah. mean, in, you name it, some kind of trauma can come out. And so my job is not to tell them my belief system but to meet them where they are and then um, help their body to let go of whatever that is, if it needs to let go of it, you know, mm-hmm. but they do need to integrate it. And then I can also say, you go see this counselor, you know, so those right. are all kind of things that we can do, but you can't stop that from coming out when the body wants it to come out. Because sometimes I could have my hand on their chest and they start remembering being choked by their parents. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you can't make it not come out. Right. It's going to come. And so I need to know what to do when it happens. When I think that's the problem with so much treatment in America and Western medicine in general is the repression of everything, yeah. you know, instead of finding a good balance, a healthy balance of letting things come out and letting things same way with homeopathy or some of these other things where people would go, Oh, that's frou frou, That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, my son's having night terrors, you know, I mean, he's doing great right now, but my oldest was having these severe night terrors, waking up in the middle of the night screaming crying you know hysterical making these just horrible noises and this this look on his face that just was heartbreaking and and it would only last about five minutes but it felt like it was four hours and uh and so we got a new remedy with homeopathy and i mean next day he's not having them and then you know we'd have a month or two without it and then he'd start having them we'd give him another dose and and literally next day not have them so when people say oh that doesn't work he's a kid like he there's no placebo effect with him and he right. doesn't know he's taking right. it he literally it's a sip of water that's all he took you right. know for him you right. know and 
So, and same thing with craniosacral therapy. I mean, we we met you. I, I was JC was reminding me because we were having so many issues nursing. I think with Jude, and so Brenda Dalton, who's amazing, who I'm trying to talk into coming on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Shy. That's right. Um, so Brenda, if you're listening to this, you need to come on here. Anne's doing it. You can do it. If I can do it, you can That's do it. That's right. Brenda. She's amazing, and I mean, just saved our life with Grady um, with breastfeeding and tongue ties, and we caught it early, and so I think that's where. I think Jude's neck was jacked mm-hmm. up, right? It was super, super tight. He had a little twist little, in the yeah. neck and a little flathead there. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you worked with us, and, and man, he, I mean, that, that changed significantly very quickly. And then Grady with the sensory stuff, I mean, I think you significantly impacted some of the things we had seen early on with him. Um, and, you know, vaccine issue or, or his allergies or his FPIs or whatever the combination or culmination of all that stuff was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how I got into working with children because in speech therapy, I just wanted to work with adults because they wanted to get better. They'd had a head injury. They wanted to get better, but kiddos, you had to give them a skill to make them do something. So I didn't want to work with kids, but my son had sensory integration issues and he had a flat head Mm. and I had no choice. There was nobody in town. So I'd drive him to Dallas and then I'd get the work on and that got old. So I had to take the class and start working on the kiddo myself. Yeah. And then I went, no, kids want to get better in craniosacral. Adults play games. That's right. Kids want to get better. <laughs> Same thing with therapy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. yeah, it is. I mean, we're all big kids. Yeah. You know, and our unresolved stuff and our, our the difference in kids is they're honest. Yes. I mean, I think that's where Christ says, like, you know, be like a little children, you, you know, and you'll inherit the kingdom because they're going to tell you what it is nice or not, you know, and they don't mean anything by right, it. They're just personal. being honest. The difference in adults is we've learned to manipulate and be passive aggressive or aggressive to get our way, you know, for fear of rejection or whatever. And, and ultimately Christ says, Hey, no, that's, that's the wrong thing. Let's be sincere. Let's be authentic, you know, in our fallenness. Right. In our fallenness. And that's where people feel safe. Yeah. And I think kids, like, I know I was like, there's no way they're going to lay on the table and do this. And you know, and they do. They do. It's yeah. beautiful. It is. Real. It was awesome. Especially Grady. I mean, he's a, he's just, you know, firecracker. So I remember coming the first couple of times and being like, there's no way he's going to lay here and let this lady, you know, mess with him. But he did and pushed through the pain. I mean, you know, even if it, even if it was something that was uncomfortable to him or he didn't really like, or, you know, but because those adjustments, I think for them, uh, they don't hurt, but they're, right. you know. they feel it. You could see them feeling it. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because adults are so tuned out. They right. don't notice, but the kiddos, they feel it all. One of my favorite, um, well, yesterday I, I have a little girl I've been working on with Down syndrome, and I really needed to get it in her mouth. Her jaw is doing funny things, and her teeth are going everywhere, and her mom has been really asking for that. Well, the first time she wasn't going to let me touch her, but she eventually just did. And this third time, she just laid there the whole time and just accepted all of it. And then she let me in her mouth for the first time. She, the first two times she wouldn't let me do it, she'd have tantrums. And this time she let me right in and I was just so slow and gentle and I could see her just feeling it and noticing it. it her mom's just like, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. <laughs> and it's kind of like that with teenage girls. They never want to come. And as soon as they have their first session, they are addicted. And they're yeah. just like, when's my next one? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And I forget how good it is. I mean, even scheduling it, you know, recently, I'm like, oh, gosh, I forget how much I'm, as soon as I get it done, I'm like, why did I ever take this off of my calendar? You know, like, that's, that's how I always feel. And you're, you know, super busy. So then I'm like, oh, no, I got to wait. Yeah. It's like getting in with me. It's like, uh, you better, you better keep the calendar because, you know, it, it might be a little bit. Um, okay. So why? 
let's go back to kind of faith a little bit. So now, okay. you know, for those you're listening, like craniosacral therapy is not the typical thing that you would think of or hear, you know, and maybe you still don't understand it. So I would say if, if you're, if you're out there and you're having some issues and you've tried to go to the doctor, you're, te- you're on medication, you know, you're in therapy, you're doing all these things, but you're still having symptoms. This is something that I would say, try. And if you're, if you're out there, there's other States, there's other places that, you know, lots of people listen to this, not in Louisiana or not in our city, you know, find something, somebody in your area, um, who, and, and try it, right. It's, right. it's not going to hurt. It's not going to be any harm. Right. So you might have to experience it to fully understand it. Absolutely. Right. But we're going to try to do a, a decent job of explaining it. Um, so for me, I think the, the Western medicine kind of focus of the medication model, mm-hmm. that's where I, you know, that's all I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And until we had Grady, I had never really thought about anything else, right. you know, and then Jude and doing craniosacral or doing homeopathy or, you know, any of the things, you know, we were going to go to Dallas Monday. We all got the stomach bug, but, um, so that we could do like natural dentistry stuff because of the kids allergies and all these things. And just stuff that I would have never thought about because right. I was just, you know, in this little cookie cutter way. So how, uh, you know, obviously your experience changed mm-hmm. that for you, mm-hmm. but how did maybe you struggle? Did you struggle with that with faith and understanding it? Or did that segue happen? You know, the Western medicine where people are like, this is crazy and crunchy and well, I'm a, I'm going to tell you my own walk, but what other people do too. People that come to me are desperate. Mm. Most of them have tried the, everything the medical profession has had to offer. Yeah. That includes surgery and pills and and it didn't work or they had such a bad side effect. So it's only desperate people that show up. Right. Sometimes some curious people, which is what I want to change. Yes. You know what I mean? I know you Mm -hmm. do too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think prevention is where I'm trying to part of the podcast is to get people to understand that they don't have to go through all these things first and then come get recovered. Best do no harm. So try these things first and then go to those other, go have surgery after when you can't, when you can't. And again, I'm not anti-medication, but maybe you should like be exercising, drinking water, doing some craniosacral therapy, being mindful before going and getting on some medication that'll give you possibly another side effect. Okay, and so back to myself, yeah. which is I began to get better, and I told people at church. I don't go to a wacko church. I, I would say I go to a pretty traditional church, conservative church, but people told me this was from the devil. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, the devil is healing me, if that's true. Mm. And I knew it was not the devil. Like, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did what I was told, and it didn't work. And in fact, it did me harm. And so I had to look out of the box because I was desperate too. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I find the most resistance from the church people. And, you know, I, I don't, I am not comparing myself to Jesus, but let me just say the, the, the coincidence part is that, you know, in his hometown, he wasn't accepted. Yeah. I still feel like that, that I'm this outlander wacko girl on the fringe. And then you might go see her if, if you've done everything else. Yeah. And I, I, I find that to be the most true with church. And I have seen some fringe folks also that said that only illnesses from the, um, devil. And so if you acknowledge illness, then you're acknowledging the devil. And, and so I've, I've had both realms from the MDs that believe that Wikipedia says it's quackery. And so therefore it is. Yeah. So I've, I've seen it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first started, nobody knew about it. So it was a lot of educating people and it took a long time. Yeah. But when I worked in the hospital, I was 
Pract- I ended up doing some part-time work later as I was building my craniosacral practice at um, a couple of different hospitals I worked PR in. And one man had, he was the father of a doctor, and he had been burned in his throat with the radiation, and he couldn't swallow, so that was a scope. So I did some of the craniosacral therapy on him, and he couldn't even talk or swallow. But the next day, he screamed down the hall at me, and he said, hey, this voodoo you did worked. And I'm like, shh, they're going to fire me, you know, yeah. be quiet. So it was wonderful seeing people who, again, were desperate. Now, they were he was in the hospital, so he just took what I had to offer him. But... <laughs> But it really did help, and it really helped fast. Yeah. And so that's how people become believers, is, is being willing to try. Yeah, and it does help fast. Yeah. You know, it makes a difference. Um, and I, again, I would have been one of those people who are like, this is ridiculous. Like, her barely touching my neck or my head or my chest right. or my hip is not going to, you know, do whatever. And then it's got you, a pain. Yeah, and then you get off the table, and you're like, oh, I feel a million times better about this for a while, you know? Um, and if I'll be a smart person and stick with it, then, uh, <laughs> I'll feel better, even better. Um, yeah. So I think, I think you pointed to a good thing. I think the, especially in the South, but I would say in general with religion and Christianity, we've created this kind of boxed in God that healing exactly. I mean, for example, some people would get really upset that I say that you could pray over somebody and they'll be healed. Right. You know I mean? There, there's this weird thing that we've created where it's like we believe in a in a God who created the heavens and the earth where there are heavenly beings and angels and cherubim and, and then he created the earth and then came and lived on the earth and was crucified and resurrected, but we don't believe that we can heal people right. or that prayer works or that it's like we're selectively spiritual. That's it. Does that's that make it. sense? Absolutely. And it's like in this, it's like, oh, that's really weird you know, that you're kind of moving people's fascia around and you're, you're helping, you know, get their lymph nodes unclogged. And, and I'm like, yeah, but it works really well. And God designed our bodies to heal and restore. And we can do that with our neuropathways. Right. I mean, that's part of trauma therapy is getting people to get out of addiction or, or not, or be able to be around a male or to be able to drive again or whatever, because we rewire their brain through talk therapy but you get into EMDR and people mm-hmm. are like, that's super Marco. weird. Mm-hmm. You know, you're moving your eyes back and forth and that's going to make me feel better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's just because it's not in the box. Right. Well, and I I say this to a lot of uh, probably more friends than um, people I don't know, but you don't go to an MD and say, are you a Christian before you let them t- yeah. touch you, before you let them doctor you? Maybe you should. I don't know. Um, but people, that's what they want to know first about me. Are you a believer? Because they're scared of the 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 um supernatural yeah. part of it and i get that i mean i i don't think we should just jump into everything without studying absolutely stuff. um a lot of us should be very careful what we delve into um i just i don't see this on that same wavelength you know no definitely it's not close to the ouija board <laughs> yeah i mean it's part of why we we do what we do and we have doctors that are christians is yes. because i it's not that i don't <laughs> think non-christian doctors can't give good care yes but ultimately I do believe that the person has the Holy Spirit in them, which is what's going to do the That's work. Right. That's right. And the kindness that they get treated with and the love and the affirmation and the affection and the and how the person, the doctor, the chiropractor, the homeopathy person, whatever, mm-hmm. sees the person I'm sending them does matter. Absolutely. It's not separate. Right. And if they don't believe in the Lord and they don't have the Holy Spirit, they might do no harm. Right. But they're not getting 
the rest of what I think that the person can be. Yeah, getting. for that doctor to take your hand and pray over you exactly. before he cuts you open. Wow, wouldn't that be Yeah, and to know that they're praying before they do the thing or that they're fasting or that they're, you know, have a community and they do yes. Bible study. You know what I mean? Yes. That they're the healthiest version of them possible. And this is what I do as a healing ministry. This is the work for the Lord. I make money at it, and I'm so glad I get to go to work every day and make money at something that I am called to do. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt in my mind this is where he's put me, and that's... Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind either, man. Uh, (laughs) For real. Uh, Yeah. So, all right. So what, why is it so much put, maybe not so much pushback, but let's, so we kind of talked about church people and Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're, they're afraid. They don't want to be doing voodoo. They don't want hypnosis. They don't want spirituality because they don't want the the bad demons in or Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. It's like, part of me is like, well, if there's no spirituality and there's no demons and there's no bad things, then what's it matter? Right. What are you so scared of? Or there are spiritual things and you better be equipping yourself that's and it. mindful about them. Right. That's it. So that's it's like, that's so, I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about this as we're talking, but it's like, okay, if there's not anything. It's pointless. Yeah. Yeah. So if there is, let's be more mindful about how all of this stuff, all this medicine, all these drugs, all the stress affects our spiritual being. And maybe somebody can pay attention to that for us. Right. And that actually affects our physical body and cortisol and that's it you know all that stuff for about 15 years at my church i taught health bible studies and i would get up on that pulpit every week for the month before and basically beg them and sometimes i saw our our minister say you're a little rough on you know out there but (laughs) if we really are our bodies really are the temple of the holy spirit where he resides don't we doesn't it make sense to take care of them so that when we, we have energy to serve how he calls us to serve? Because if we have all these medical issues because of what we've done to ourselves, how are we supposed to go out there and tell the world and to love on each other when we don't even have energy to get out of bed? Mm. And so how do we get to the best part? It's, it's, by, it's by that. He gave us the tools to care for our body and our mind. And boy, I, I don't want to miss it. And I may have never gotten there if I hadn't have hurt first. Yeah. That's so, so good. That thorn in my side keeps me very aware. And some people say, well, you know, you overfocus or you're addicted to that. And I, and I can see how that can be the God, but he, that's not my God. My, my, um, I know who my God is. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I would say I probably erred in that in therapy. I was talking to one of my pastor friends the other day, and I was saying, you know, when I first started, I had been in church my whole life and doing tra- trauma, you know, doing church church and, you know, saved and but there are a lot of stuff that the typical things that I was learning, read your Bible, pray, you know, wasn't touching. Right. And it wasn't until got, I got into therapy with a Christian counselor and we started talking about the brain and trauma and these things that I was like, oh. And then I started going, well, what's the Bible say about that? And what are we what are we ignoring that, that Jesus is already talking about when it comes to trauma and family systems and, right. you know, all these things? But we're not naming it that. Yeah. And then trying to integrate those two things and go, okay, well, this is the same thing. Yes. And it's already been said by Jesus and already yes. being played out by Jesus. Yeah. We just have a, we, the church has not labeled it that. How do we merge those two? And, and I remember that really helping and therapy starting to help. And it's like, so I think I kind of got married to the idea of therapy being the answer uh-huh. for a while. Mm-hmm. I'd say, sure. you know, first few years of practicing and therapy in general. And over the last four or five of having this practice, you know, therapy's great and I want people to come, but what I want more than anything is for them to have a relationship with Jesus and ultimately have a community of other believers who also have a relationship with Jesus and be discipled and be mentored and in 
go to people like you, go to people like Jenna Watson, go to people, you know, and, and get taken care of. Um, and that's really what acts the church was about that is the church. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what we're missing. And so it's like, none of our things are the answer. No, it's not the end all to end all. No, but it. they certainly contribute to getting you to the answer. If you're doing them to true freedom, I mean, that's, yeah. it's for freedom. He set us free. And so that how we can all be the church for each other. That's yeah. Right. That's beautiful. And I, I just wish that I hope if you're listening to this and you're, you know, whatever you do for your, your, your line of work that I was, you know, telling a client this morning, you know, it's the kingdom work is the foundation and then everything else we do has to dump onto that. And and I think most of us and myself included fall into the, the trap of we're going to do our job. And then if we can squeak away some time to do kingdom work or right. do some missions or to right. do whatever. And it's like, no, you, whatever you're doing, let's figure out how to do that for the Lord fully every hour of every day. Right. It's kind of like tithing. People are like, well, I gave him his 10%. It's like, no, all of his, all of the money's his. Yes. You know, like none of it's yours. You're just giving a, a percentage to be faithful and be obedient. Right. And, you know, sometimes clients leave and they forget to pay me. I forget to ask whatever. It's it's so secondary. Now, I have to have that income yeah. to live and eat. Um, but someday that won't matter when we are in the kingdom. That won't matter anymore. And, and, you know, maybe in our lifetime it could be that. I doubt it, but it could be. Yeah. But to just do that work for one another. We all use our gift. And, and but right now it, it needs to be, to be able to eat and things too. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. But, but to know that I get to go to work every day and, and, um, use the gift that God's given me is there's nothing like it. And I can't imagine people that, that haven't gotten there yet that dread going to work. Going to work. Oh, I know. I mean, seeing people, I mean, you know, and I know your work is hard too and, and taxing and mm-hmm. emotionally and physically and, yeah. But yeah, I mean, people ask me, how do you do, how do you listen to people talk all day? And I'm like, mm-hmm. because I see people get healed all day, you know, and I was telling, I, uh, Andy came, came out of the office, he's a newer therapist. He'd been here a year or so and he had a client and walked out and he's like, man, first session with that guy. And, uh, he's like, I'm so excited to see what the Lord does in our time. And I said, that's it right there. Like you you've been doing it long enough to where now you've seen so much healing that you're starting to get excited for what God's going to do in this stranger's life a year from now. Awesome. Like that's why we can do what we do. Right. Right. And if you don't have those experiences, why would any of us do it? Yeah. Same thing with you. Like, yeah. cause I hurt at the end of the day. I, yeah. You know, and I already have arm issues and hand, you know, so it's, it's, it takes a lot of me to, to do what I do. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. Okay. So tell us, um, kind of, what what are some ways that if a person's out there listening and they're like this this sounds crazy this sounds good this sounds awesome, um, can you give me a couple of stories of what maybe are some of the more impactful things that you've seen happen or or recent things or you know just something that's a little bit more practical that can give people examples of what as far as uh, what happened in the therapy room yeah okay let's see because I think people you know people are like well. I mean, we're talking about it generally, but like the example of the girl who let you in her mouth and let mm-hmm. you do some work. Okay. So there was a little girl one time and she didn't sleep. And I think she was around five and her parents were in the middle of a terrible divorce. And this girl was having major behavior issues. Mom brought her in and she told me there was a little bunny in her heart. I don't know how that happened, but so we talked to the bunny while I was, had my hand on her chest and the bunny told me that she couldn't sleep because she was scared. And so I don't remember the whole story, but something happened with the bunny and the bunny wasn't scared anymore. 
and she really relaxed. And so I told mom, I said, usually a side effect of the craniosacral therapy with kids is they get tired, so she might take a nap. Well, they had to go to a pool party. And so the mom called me later and she said, I just want you to know, she went to the pool party, laid her towel next to the side of the pool, put her hand in the water and took a nap for two hours, the whole party. And then the na- that night she slept through the night and she hadn't ever slept through the night. Wow. And she was five or six. So she had one more session and then that was the end. Now mom's checks bounced and none of that ever worked out for me, but it really helped the kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know your heart too. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing when you get to see these like, revolutionary kind of moments and it's not about the money yeah Yeah. and then i have a a lady who came a few years ago she was very uptight like i used to be and she was a runner but she couldn't run she was having such hip pain and she'd been to pt and she's gotten steroid injections and such and you know what after one session she was significantly better and she was one of those real doubters and so she said well maybe it was going to get better now anyway Mm -hmm. and so she came back for her next session and then she was significantly better and periodically through the years I see her every once in a while when she has a flare but it took two sessions and and I tell most people three to five sessions for you to really know if this is doing something or not but there are times when it's one session and then it's taken care of and then there's times when it doesn't fix it Mm -hmm. you know so uh, then I'll refer them on and and that's the one thing like you were talking about is we need to know when to refer on and who to refer to I have patients that um, the doctors say, well, this is the only way you have to have this surgery. And so I'll, I'll ask them to get some second opinions. If that's the only way, then maybe they should get some second opinions first. Now, emergencies are emergencies, but when you have an option, I agree. It's, it's, won't you try some things first Yeah. and, and see. What's been maybe you have a favorite story? A favorite, oh, I don't know. Hmm. Well, favorites are probably the children just because they're so delightful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, um, I'll tell you that the cranial base release, which you probably remember um, in the base of the head, it's, um, it's gentle because you're just putting the weight of your hands on, the weight of your head on my hands, and it kind of melts in there. Your neck relaxes. But boys in general, young and old, will kind of whimper and cry, but girls just so go deeper, deeper, you know, and yeah. so they, they love it. And so that's why I love the teenage girls, because one, they, they get attention, because that's something teenage girls can't get enough of. And mm-hmm. so it's really, I, I love to tell my folks when they come in, I said, it's all about you for an hour. And so, you know, people always want it to be about them, but it never is. And so in my office, it really is about them. And so mm-hmm. when the teenage girl comes in there, and they can tell me everything they would never tell their mom and um, then they can tell me all about their insecurities and then we can um, let them learn how to feel their body and learn how to love themselves and learn about affirmations and and when they're christians we can talk about how god designed them and chose them and um, the transformation on their faces are beautiful so i think that's that's why i love those teenage girls the best and they're just they're hungry for to be accepted and when they find out that they can do that to themselves and know that um they're loved yeah um, yeah i think especially right now they have um if i could send every teenage girl that comes here to you i would um you couldn't fit in your schedule um (laughs) but yeah i mean it's such a struggle right now with 
affirmation and being worthy and being valuable. And I mean, it's been a problem, right? I mean, for all of history, that's been a struggle, especially for women. And they have these curled shoulders because they're, it's like they're protecting their heart. And so when they learn how they can uncurl and open up and have this gorgeous posture, and that's part of radiating their confidence Mm -hmm. of who they are in Christ. It's, it it changes their countenance. Yeah. Well, they also spend, you know, half the day oh, yeah. with their shoulders scrunched <laughs> looking at their phone. You know, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, we were talking about Seriously. that, this, this thing being such a uh, um, segue into just, you know, it's not that everybody's like, the phone's the problem, technology's the problem, which I do talks all the time yeah. about that. But <laughs> sure. the reality is, is that it's, it's just a, a gateway to the problem. They're looking for something. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. looking for validation. We want to feel known. And, and I think we want to feel seen. And, and you do a beautiful job especially when you're on the, when I'm on the table of of providing that connection I can't say enough just we're not touched enough either right. you know we live in this weird culture where um you know men women there's just this distance from from real connective touch you know it's either super hypersexual and it's yes. it's inappropriate or it's nothing yes you know or go ahead I have a, a story yeah so I was working on this man that I would see every few weeks. He had had a heart attack 20 years ago. I'm working on him, and I I can't tell you exactly how I knew it, but there's ways that I I do my evaluation every day. And so his body took me to his chest, to his heart area. And so there's the woo-woo-woo part of the Mm -hmm. craniosacral therapy, but I began to talk to his body not using words. And I... I felt like he was about to have a heart attack. And I said to him, you need to go see your cardiologist tomorrow. And I was real calm, you know, because one, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. And two, you know, you don't want to just scare your patient. And what if I'm wrong too? Mm -hmm. You need to go see the cardiologist tomorrow. There's something going on with your heart. He said, okay. Well, the next morning his, he was getting ready to go work out and his heart started hurting. And he had told his wife that night about what I'd said. And she said, remember what Ann said. So he calls the doctor and he goes in, he's having a heart attack. Wow. So they they tell me I saved his life. Well, I, and I'll tell you that it was the Holy Spirit that told me to tell him, yeah, you know, what sure. to do. But that was, a, he doesn't miss a week now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I remember when you'd, I'd come in and you'd be like, are you dwelling on something in the future? You know, the, okay, is there yeah. something hung up? In the, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like, how do you know this? <laughs> and I have clients, you know, that they... Um, they come from a heavy drinking family and I'm like, you've been boozing again. And they're like, how do you know? I'm like, well, your body just said your liver isn't moving. It's swollen. You know, you need to take care of your body. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Like how is it, is it that you've had your hands on somebody? I know it's the Holy spirit, but ultimately like, can you explain how that works or how you fill that out? Or so there is something called a craniosacral rhythm. Right. And when the body uh, produces cerebral spinal fluid, there is a widening of the, Uh, cranial bones in the the body uh, we call it externally rotates and when it reabsorbs it it internally rotates and it's very subtle but that's one of the main things I was trained to feel and so I can tell that anywhere in the body and so sometimes that rhythm stops and that can be what the client on the table is thinking um it can be something that we're talking about it could be just that i'm right on the area and the body's in this therapeutic mode and so we call it a significance detector Mm -hmm. and so then i just kind of question i can ask some questions now with the liver i mean if the liver literally i do things to manipulate organs so um 
if it's if it's not moving, it can be they had a cheeseburger and French fry, and the body's trying to process fat. It could be they just taken a lot of narcotics. It could be emotional, like in Chinese medicine, we talk about uh, organs having um, the emotions hanging out in certain organs. So in the mm-hmm. liver, it might be anger or some deep self issues. So, right. um, so if there's something that's abnormal with their body or just abnormal in general with a, bo- a body, I, I tend to start asking questions to the, to the client. And then based on what they say, we kind of narrow down what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think it's awesome to see kind of how you do that and, and then switch to a different area or you stay on something or, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't feel like you're doing anything, but you have your hand on my chest and then you're kind of moving something in my, you know, barely moving something in my back and you're like, Oh, you have a rib out, you know, or, you know, whatever the thing is. I'm like, <laughs> how do you know that? But I, I would assume in, uh, we were, I was talking about this with Jenna Watson the other day, she's our chiropractor and I'll go in, uh, and she'll say, did you do this or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, how did you know my knee was hurting? You know, but it's the same thing in therapy. You know, people I'll say, man, did you, did you feel this way or did this happen? And they're like, I didn't even tell you my story. How'd you know that? And I think, you know, that's the, whatever you're in is totally normal for you to be reading in between lines, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that's forever. the skill of the years of it. Exactly. 30 years, 25 years ago, I, I didn't do it that way. It was, right. it was more tech. I was more of a technician. Yeah versus a therapist absolutely and i think that's where for all of us as we mature and i got a long way to go but i think being able to have seen so many people feel the body so much hear people talk hear family histories you know it's not it's not witchcraft right Right. it's that you've seen it enough that we're not as unique as we like to think we are yes yes you know like our stories i always say our stories are very unique and that's why i love doing this podcast and and having people on Mm -hmm. but we're not as you know in a good way we're not as special yeah. Right. And, yeah. and there's not a million ways that these things play out. And there's signs that the body shows us. Yes. Right. And God is going, hey, you might want to work on this because, you know, your neck's all jacked up or your knees all jacked up or you're walking funny or your spleen's, you know, whatever. Right. There is an emotional component to that. Right. And I think that's the beauty of talking and, and figuring that out, but also coming and working, you know, with somebody who does body work is because your body says stuff that you're you're not even in tune with. Right. You know, I've, I've had right. clients who, you know, <clears throat> and you've, I think you've maybe said this to JC, if I can remember, but it's like, Oh, your throat's tight. Is there something you need to say? And I've done the same thing in here. We've done EMDR and people are like, <clears throat> I just feel like, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, yep. your inner child yeah. needs to say something to your dad. What would that be? And, yeah. you know, or there's been sexual abuse in there. They sit with their knees real tight, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. they don't even notice they're doing it. Right. You know, and, and there's all these things, but that's the beauty of what you do is where I have to talk about it and I have to call it out. I can't do anything. You get to get right into the unconscious and, and the subconscious and their body. And, and it tells you without, yeah. I wouldn't say without their permission. I mean, definitely, I think the body's giving you permission to work there and they're there. But how would you say that? I would say that <clears throat> for every craniosacral therapist or therapist in general, the body is always looking, can I trust you? Yeah. And so it might tell you something different than it tells me, or it might tell a different craniosacral therapist something different based on its level of trust of how much do you really, can I, do you know how much can you do for me? Mm -hmm. And, and I think consciously the person's doing that, but subconsciously the body um, is, is also part of that. Yeah. I think touch is such a interesting one too. I'm sure you see this a lot, but you know, there's, 
if I, if it was a human trafficking victim or somebody who'd been sexually abused or it's this weird paradox of it's the thing we need the most. And yet it's the thing where like, I do not want to do that thing again. And it's sacred to, yeah. to touch someone <clears throat> is sacred. No, and absolutely. So have to really, um, I, I, the, the fact that someone gets on the table and, and lets me touch them. I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. I always say that there's such a holiness of doing therapy and somebody telling you things they've never, you know, never told anybody else. Disclosed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, you know, it's like, I'm 76 and you're the first person I've told this happened. And you're like, you've been carrying that for 80 years, 76 years, you know, whatever it's, uh, it's definitely holy. It reminds me of, you know, Moses taking off his, uh, you know, shoes and God saying, this is holy ground, you know? And I feel like that, you know, I was reading a book the other day and I was talking about that extending that idea didn't change that Israel, like wherever they went was whole, you know, it was holy ground. And, and then that led to the, you know, the, 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 Oh my gosh, the temple, and then inside the temple is the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant's there, and you know, the Holy Spirit's in the Ark of the Covenant, and people get all tripped up, and it's like, but yet, then the veil was torn, and then Jesus, you know, um, resur- you know, ascends and leaves the Holy Spirit for us, and we're now the tabernacle. Okay, I never thought of that whole lineage, that's really awesome, but it's like that's the that's that the thing, funny. right? Yeah. And uh, and the book was just talking about this one piece of it, and then. I, I was just, you know, struck by this holy ground idea is what the book was talking about. But then I just kind of kept thinking like, well, then if it extends all the way to Christ dying, then everything, you know, if we're Christians is, is holy ground when we're in relationship with other Christians, especially. Wow. You know, it. so it, it's, uh, I think if we could have more of that posture as a church, it's reverence. You know, um, Tyler, one of my good friends, he's our worship pastor. We've been talking about that a lot with our B group of coming to worship in a reverent posture, you know, excited to see what God's going to do, ready for God to do it instead of so busy expecting. Yeah. And I think if people come to see you, if they come to therapy, um, if we do whatever it is that we do, then we're in tune with this holy God who's good and loving and gracious and kind, but who is powerful and, you know, not safe necessarily. It reminds me of C.S. Lewis's, uh, you know, I can't remember if it's Mr. Beaver or whatever. And she, and she says about the line, is he, is he safe? He's like, no, he's good, but he's right, not, not safe. safe. That's yeah. right. And it's like, we should have that perspective a little bit of God. Like he's good. He's safe in the sense of love and trust, but he is a powerful, powerful authority figure. And we, we should be in a little awe. Awesome. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I feel like that, I feel like the work that you do and you know, the work that we do in these kind of, what I would say also weird realms therapy is not the thing that everybody, I mean, it's getting more yeah. okay to go to, but it's always been like for those broken people or those things. Yeah. But I think what we get to see is a place that other people don't get to see these very intimate times and moments and these vulnerabilities from people. Yeah. And yet this, and so, and there's these very spiritual places Absolutely. and we have Westernized everything and Americanized everything so much that unfortunately people have to come to you, come to me, be in these little small silos to be able to experience it. Right. And what I want for people to do is to say, man, no, if I have the Holy Spirit in me, everywhere I'm walking around today is holy ground. That's right. You know, every person I'm engaging with, God is working in and trying to heal and restore and reconcile. and Right, reconcile. And That's- I mean, you, can, you don't have to be a therapist or a craniosacral therapist or a doctor to do that. Yeah. You know, but I think we've... We've limited our 
ourselves and what the Holy Spirit can do in our own shame. And that's another thing I was, I don't know why that, sorry, I got another big the, tangent. No, but the Holy Spirit, and I don't know why I got to where I'm, I am right now, but people won't come if insurance doesn't pay in the, in the sense of that. It, we are so conditioned to think that if insurance isn't paying for it, then it's not valid. Right. And then the other thing is because insurance doesn't like to pay, um, so many people don't have access to it. Mm -hmm. And so that, that leaves it to me to say, who, who do I give this work away to? Yeah. And it, I just, I don't think it should be that way. Yeah. And, and then if we did get into the insurance realm, then they would tell us how to do it, yep. how we could, how we had to sh give it, <clears throat> how we had to offer it. Yeah. How many sessions you have yes. to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm in the same way. We don't take insurance, and uh, right. there's a couple therapists who do. Um, and I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, right. but for me, it's that same tension. And I offer um, receipts, or I'll, I'll uh, write up a report if somebody wants to um, turn it in. Turn it in, and and that works for some people. Um, I, I'm just sad it has to be that because there's so much to offer people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. That are hurt. There's so many hurting people. Absolutely. And there's not enough of me to go around. No, there's and, not. And other people. Yeah. No, is. for sure. There's not enough of you to go around. Um, yeah, I think I think that there's a movement. Yeah. You know, there are people in, in Shreveport. I, I find it interesting, you know, we we can name drop a few people that we're all connected to, but um, Brenda Dalton being one of them. Absolutely. They just do things that are outside of the norm. Mm -hmm. They're so successful at it. But because of that, I mean, the droves of people who want that help when they want it. And, and yeah, it just, it breaks my heart that, that it is where it is and that I see people time and time again go to routes that I know are not going to be helpful. Right. You know, and are, are it might be helpful to some degree, but are also going to then add confusion to the whole picture of what's happening. Yes. Um, yeah. And we saw that. We see that a lot with food allergies. And, yes. you know, the advice people give and then they come and they email JC or call us or whatever. And then we're like, well, well, you know, I refer people to JC. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's after my in injury, I had, I had tons of food allergies. I blew up. People asked me when I was due all of the time. And that was just from mm -hmm. that same, same shot and amalgams. It was yep. my body was poisoned and I still suffer from those things years later. And, and yet, um, the way that most people test for allergies isn't the best way to test. Right. And it's like, it's still a secret to find the real tests that really work. Oh, I know somebody told us the other day about, and we've been doing this for seven years, but about this, like the percentage, I think, I don't remember what it is now. I thought it's terrible, but about the skin prick test and yes. how percentage accurate it's it is. It's so low. It's like 60 to 70%. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that. And I've been doing it for seven years and I was just like, so annoyed the other day. I'm like, <sighs> and there's tests that are 90 to 97 percent. Right. Why, why wouldn't why wouldn't that become common knowledge? Yeah. The same reason that um, I remember when we had Grady, you know, you, you go to the doctor and they it used to be called the quad test, I think. And they would test for, you know, if your kid has Down syndrome or anything like that. Well, they they're like, you have to do this test. And then after you take this test, there's another one that you can get to get, you know, so we take it and I remember our pediatrician called us. She said, listen, you know, you score pretty high on these markers. You know, your, your child could have down syndrome. And, uh, so we want you to come in in two weeks and, uh, we're going to do a blood, a blood draw. 
So we get off the phone and we're praying and we're like, look, you know, we're going to love this kid. Obviously, no matter what God's will, we pray, you know, but we were pretty nervous. And so I start Googling like, what is this quad test? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, false positive. <laughs> pretty much is like everybody gets a false positive. Um, you know, you have to fall into this very, very tiny percentage to not have a doctor call you. And I was like, oh my gosh. But for a non-Christian, those two weeks would have been hell. Yeah. And it was remotely scary yes. as it was. Um, but yes, for a non-Christian, it would have definitely been hell because that's the most devastating thing, you know, to some people's view. But during that time, so we had a conversation with the doctor and, and they were like, well, so we go and they do the blood draw and then they just tell us 100. They're like, it's like 99% no. You know, and we can okay. tell that because we drew, you know, the blood from you and, and that blood has the DNA of the baby in it, you know, and I'm like, that's incredible. Cool. But they're like, but that's not FDA approved to do that first yet. I see. Now it is. So like I've asked my friends, like, so now what they do is they just do the blood draw. I think I mean, somebody could tell me I'm wrong, but, um, you know, they just do the blood draw first, but they were waiting on approval. And so much of the stuff I can tell is you that the, nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Because insurance says you have to take the x-ray before you get your MRI. Or, exactly. Or when you're pregnant, you have to have drink all that pink poison sugar to find out if you have diabetes. Right, yeah. Cause and and Jace, most people fail it. Yeah, absolutely. JC did both times. And it's like she did not have gestational diabetes. Why don't you just do the blood test? Right. <laughs> yeah, just figure it out. So, yeah, I'm with you. It, and I think that's where, I mean, especially in our circle of influence, and I guess everybody listening to this podcast, where I would push back on... Um, I would just, you know, ask questions, yeah. you know, your, your doctor's not God. And what I mean by that is like, they're great people and, and I love my doctors and I support them, but they're in a cer- certain scope and we have changed as people, believe it or not, the DNA that we have, the well, RNA, whichever one, uh, you know, it is not the same as it was 40 years ago. No. And we've been talking about this a lot with our kids, but you know, the food we eat, the things we drink, the trauma we've experienced, has so significantly changed in the last 50 years compared to 300 years before that. Right. We're talking about food, you know, and, and how for all of history, if you ate a cow, right, that that cow was like down the street from you. So it was eating food off the trees and off the, the animals and off the ground that were, you know, local. local. Yeah. Well, that's all of history. Like all of human history, that was the case. And then we were able to create a refrigerator send a cow from Mexico that would cost cheap money to make this meat, get injected with a bunch of stuff. Like that's all happened in 60 years. And we're not, we're not like planning for that. And then, you know, red, red 40 and dies and all these hormones. And I mean, and again, when I didn't know any of this until I started having to look at labels to feed Grady and I'm like, what is all this stuff in corn? Right, it's not real food. It's, no, it's not even. It's it, just chemicals. And yet, we're 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 going. We're, our medical model, to some degree, is is still the same as it was forty years ago or fifty yes, years ago. That's right. It, it, it's not taken into account. So when people say to me, "Well, this stuff worked," whatever the thing is, I won't get into mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, forty years ago, this is how we did it, or seventy years ago, we did this and it was great. It's like, but human beings are different. Their bodies are different. There's more cortisol. There's more stress hormone. There's more. They're more susceptible to allergies and to autism and to Asperger's and to sensitivity issues. And they're not just a bad kid. Right. They right. literally have sensory problems. Right. Um, four years ago when I began seeing a functional medical doctor, 
they gave me an environmental test and I was off the charts on 14 of the 17 environmental toxins. I was off the charts on glyphosate. Mm. Well, I haven't had a plastic bottle of water in years. I eat organic food. How? How does that happen to me? Well, it's everywhere. That's how. Mm -hmm. And then I don't have the ability because of my gene pool to detox like average people would. Yeah. Well, maybe that is why I had a vaccine reaction. Maybe I couldn't handle those chemicals. Right. But that's not anything that would ever come up in a regular doctor's office. No, absolutely. And that's not being anti-vaccine. No. You know, that (laughs) that's that's the problem that we're in right now with our culture is as soon as you start talking about any kind of natural thing or any kind of whatever, mm-hmm. you're they, all, you're all of a sudden down. against everything. That's right. And it's like, no, I just want to, I just want people to do what's best for their bodies. Right. Right. I just right. want to be able to do what's best for mine. I want you to do what's best for you. Some of, some of that's going to be vaccine. Maybe some of that's not right. But, and then some people don't care. I mean, I, I have <laughs> no, clients that, that don't care what they put in their mouth and that is their choice. Absolutely. They, they get that choice. Yep. And then I want to be able to have the choice for me because I had the things happen because I did what I was told. Yep. And I ask the questions and I read the information. I read the labels like you do. And, and, um, I like being educated because I want to feel better. Absolutely. And then I raise my children like that. My son, when he was two, somebody would say, do you want that? And he'd say, not Gannick. It's not organic. So, yeah. so, you know, I, I raised them strange compared to the rest of the world, but I raised them to be educated. And then when they, they're about grown now, but now they get to make the choice. Yeah. Yeah. We would have been terrible parents if not for Grady's allergies, for sure. You know, I'm just saying like, I would have not known better mm-hmm. and that would have, you know, to some degree, I would have done all the things that I thought were normal and should have been done. And we right. say that all the time. I'm like, I have so much grace for people who don't know. Because most people are doing the best they can with what right. they have, they just don't know any better, right? And they don't they don't see that, you know, when when people go, and I, I can't harp on this enough. When people my age or older go, well, when I was a kid, we did this and it was fine. I just want us to stop and go. But everything's changed because we didn't even have the thing. We weren't doing the things forty years ago that we're doing now. We weren't eating the things, right. um, and that matters. And what that's going to do in another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years of kids and generations, you know, we're we're yet to see. But it's not going well. Right. If we're looking at the trajectory, it's not looking good. Right. And so I'm with you. Like, if we can can think about, and again, if you don't want to, don't. You have the freedom to do that. But if people are listening to this, taking the two hours or hour and a half to listen to this, think about what you put in your mouth. Think about the doctor you go to. Stop for a moment and just think, like, why do I do this? And is there conversation to be had about, is this best for me and my body? And a lot of people I think feel like they tell me this, that they're like, yeah, I didn't want to do this. This felt really off, but I had no clue what, you know, any other options. Right. You know, I hear hear that a lot about medication. I hear that a lot about, you know, body work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, just try these things first. Right. And we can always go back to that route. Absolutely. It's not anti-doctor by any means. Right. And I'm still doing that today. Yeah. I told you I'm having issues with dental implants and my body's telling me they're not for me. Mm-hmm. Why would I go get those taken out after I spent all that money? Right. Because my body's telling me and it's been trying to tell me. And is the option when I take these out isn't going to be that fun right. to have removable bridges. But if I don't have to have the headache, wow, that'll be worth living. Absolutely. And so I'm still doing that and I'm still changing doctors. I I have one doctor right now and I go in and I 
I'm so supported. She may not know the things that I'm asking her about because she's not into the health realm that, that I am, but boy, she, she supports me and, and says, this is what I have to offer you. And I know you really don't want it, but this is what I have to offer you. And, and I, I support what you want to do. And then I've had doctors that just look at me like I'm a hairy beast uh, alien. And so I don't need to go to them. No, absolutely. So we, we have choices. We don't have to do what we're told. We can educate <laughs> ourselves and make the best choice. And we might not make the best choice. And then we can, we can fix it. Yep. That's good. Yeah, it's good encouragement. Yeah, if you're if you're with a doctor who you don't feel supported by, you know, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them or they have to agree right. with you, but they right. definitely should be like open to your suggestions and not treat you like an idiot. Right. You know, because that's a lot of times what I hear from people, um, you know, whether it's been a miscarriage or it's been, you know, wanting to do IVF or wanting to um, allergy stuff or get a lip and tongue tie or whatever. I mean, hundreds of right. things that I hear from Anything. people. Yeah. And sadly, the large majority of it's like, well, that doesn't fit in this little wheelhouse or this box. It's so a paradigm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, go on. And we got that a ton, you know, with our issues and FPIs and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, just do this. I'm like, okay. You know, like we've done all of that, you know, and they're like, here's a pamphlet on this. Right. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not what I'm asking for. Right. And then, yep, you're driving to Dallas to go find a specialist that's and, right. you know. That you have to do the work to find where it would be nice if people in this town could say, you know, I don't know about that, but I hear... It's like what they finally told me about um, this PT that did craniosacral therapy. Why didn't they tell me that a year ago? Mm-hmm. They knew who he was because they believed that their traditional way would work. And when they saw it wasn't working, they didn't offer me anything else besides surgery. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time. I mean, I was, I was all in yeah. after school. I, that was the only way. The allopathic way was the only way. Yeah. And so... I wish people would get educated enough to know that if their way doesn't work, maybe this works. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful for you. Yeah, I, mean, I am. I'm very, very proud of you. I'm proud to know you and, uh, and, uh, get work done, done with you and by you and send people to you. And, um, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're struggling, you know, I would say be preventative. Like, you know, if you're out there and you're like, man, I listen to this podcast. I like what they have to say. Um, maybe I should just go and try, you know, book an appointment with Ann or find somebody in your area who does craniosacral work or any body work. You know, um, you named some things earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of people in town who do some of that stuff and, um, I always mess it up, but what Feldenkrais, is that what it's called? Feldenkrais. Yeah. Christ. Yes. yeah. Um, you know, there's stuff that, that isn't traditional, but man, it really helps you, helps you get engaged with your body. I mean, I can ask somebody, you know, Hey, where do you feel that in your body? You know, that's a very simple. And people are looking at me like I have seven heads. Right. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, where, you know, you're crying. Where do you feel that? And it's amazing. And even me, every time I do it, I'm like, they're going to say their chest and they don't, yeah. you know, they're like my shoulders, my neck, my head, the back of my, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they do say chest too, but are they feeling their gut or feeling my hips or, you know, whatever trauma it is. And, but we're just not trained and to be mindful about our bodies. Well, we, and yet that's such, we that's so anti-biblical, right? especially that's as Christians. That's right. We tell our bodies to shut up and then we take a pill or whatever, but really we got to thank our bodies saying, thank you for giving me this headache because you're telling me something's not right. Now, mm. what is it that's not right? Or my neck is hurting. Okay. Who's the pain in my neck? You know, maybe <laughs> there's a person that's a pain in your neck. Maybe it's not just your posture, but it could be your posture mm-hmm. and my gut. What am I eating? 
or am I holding on to some old stuff that I should let go of? You know, they need to really listen instead of saying, shut up body. Here comes the Pepto-Bismol, you know, whatever. The... Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think you're, I think you're spot on. And, and again, everybody that I know who comes in here or that comes to you or that comes to some of the other people we work with and they start to open their mind up to it. Yeah. Don't want to go back. There, you can't go back, Billy. Really. Yeah, no, you can't. I mean, you see it, you experience it, and you go, "Oh my gosh!" And I think for for those of you out there that are Christians and and believe in the Holy Spirit and are trying to follow the Lord, here you, I feel like we're missing half of the person and half of the experience of Christ when we just get so narrowed into this one way of doing life. And let me touch on that. I, again, there are people that should not necessarily look into other realms in this in the spiritual realm because they may not be strong enough to manage that. I haven't felt that to be true for my life, but this is my theory in general. Um, God made up everything. So God made up a stretch on a floor. If you might call it yoga, you might call it Feldenkrais, but it's just a body movement. It is not an act of spiritual worship. What makes an act of spiritual worship is where you set your mind and intention. And so to me, that brings safety to be able to get on the ground and do some stretches. Now, it, it does matter who is leading you in that because they might lead you down a way that you don't need to go and you may spiritually not be strong enough to go there. So I, I do suggest using some discernment. Yeah. But there are so many beautiful um, types of movement therapies. Um, one's called somatics, one's Feldenkrais, one's called neuromovement therapy then there's a million types of yoga and there's even Christian yoga. And then there's some stuff that people just make up and move. But if we move our bodies, we'll feel better. Mm -hmm. And, and then we don't have to go get fixed by anybody. So it'll save you some money if you can learn some techniques to do at your house. That's right. And so in the cranial world, um, you can find a craniosacral therapist by looking up upledger.com. That's Dr. Upledger is the man that made up craniosacral therapy. And then he, can you spell that? Yes, U P D, what U P L E D G E R. Okay, upledger. Mm -hmm. yep. Dot com, and then it says find a practitioner or find a therapist, and then under that section there'll be craniosacral therapy, lymph drainage therapy, visceral manipulation, brain therapy. Those are not those are not an exhaustive list of all the therapies that are great therapies, but those that's the realm that I've been trained in, and then you can just see how many classes people have had and pick the one you can get into or the one with the most experience and people are all trained all over the world in this therapy so i went to spain one time and there was an osteopath there that i met with twice because i'd been in a car wreck a few months before and i was really struggling with all the traveling and we became friends and we did it through google translate I didn't know any english and mm -hmm. i knew very little spanish and we we were connected. It was wonderful. That's awesome. So um, there are people all over the world to do it, and hopefully within your driving distance, wherever you are. So that is a wonderful way. The other way, sometimes when I would go to other towns, is like at Whole Foods, I used to have a board of, um, and most small towns at health food stores have boards of all the natural practitioners. And so when I was going to vacation somewhere, I'd go look on that board and see who was around, you know. Yeah. And so then the next time I came or something, I would call if they couldn't get me in then. So there's there's um, Shreveport. You would you would be surprised for it. the old fashioned little town that we are. How many people? Are, there are some great therapists here. Yeah, there are. There we do have a really 
I mean, people can hate on Treeport, but mm-hmm. in the in the realm of people wanting to do some good, whether that's with business or whether that's with health, you know, we we have a very thriving, small but but passionate group of people who want to help yeah. the city and Bozier and and the surrounding towns. So yeah, if you're here, reach out to Ann, reach out to somebody in this area, um, and if you're wherever you're at, you know, do something different, shake it up a little bit this week. Um, if you have questions, you can email me at clintdaviscounseling at gmail dot com. Um, and any closing thoughts or comments or things you wish you would say or miss? Wow, that's a good one. Um, thank you. I'm so grateful that I get to tell people about this work. And um, I just hope that whoever's listening will um, will go on the journey. It's a journey I have not regretted. And um, I'm just I'm grateful to have been on it and will till my dying days. So I wish that for you as well absolutely thank you um all right guys thank you for listening as usual um if you're on youtube like and subscribe and if you're on podcast you know do your thing so uh, you know i don't care about that that much but it helps me to be able to get this information out to more people so if you will subscribe or like or follow or leave a comment or whatever um i really appreciate it um thank you guys and god bless you have a good week